If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up-to-the-minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. All right, folks, welcome back to the latest Mountain Westwire podcast, football edition. Week, it's already week eight, right, Matt? Is that correct? Week eight? That is that is oh, correct. Goodness. Matt Kennerly, I'm Jeremy Moss here. We're hanging out, talking football. What, do, what else do we do? We always talk football. Website, MWR. Facebook, Mount Westwire. We're getting some more Facebook friends. That's nice. Twitter. If you like basketball, yeah, you're, getting, you're getting some extra publicity or uh, mentions uh, this week. And we're getting a lot of snarky responses in return, so thanks. <laughs> yeah, you know what? If the fans are engaged, that's good for us. It's called social media, unlike other websites I'm familiar with that don't engage very much. But we're not going to call anybody out, are we? No. no. But we're nearing 1,000 followers on Facebook, uh, Twitter very quickly. Very quickly. We are currently, as of Wednesday, what's we at? Wednesday after evening, nine ninety five. Who's going to be one thousand? That's what we need to know. We'll we'll send out a, a very special thank you to whoever that person is. And no unfollowing and following to be that person. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Please, that's annoying because every time you announce, "Hey, I'm at a five hundred, one thousand, eighteen hundred," immediately four jerks unfollow you. Yeah. What can you do? <laughs> but then they come back usually, but still. But we got week eight here. We have a couple of Friday games, a couple of Saturday games. Well, I guess that's the only days we play. But it's week. Let me ask you this really quick. Have you perused my latest quarterback rankings? Uh, I did dally over them a little bit earlier, yes. Any objections? I do wonder whether you're penalizing Brett Rippon a little too much. But other but than... Compared to, but compared to everybody else, man, how can I not? Yeah, and I mean... You know, what, you ranked Ty Ganji second, did you not? <laughs> I think I did. Here, let me explain myself a little bit. We discussed Marcus McMarion last week at the anniversary. Like, hey, where should he be? And you're like, he should be high. Like, right around, we mentioned Drew Brown's area, which is, I think, fair. But then I'm looking at it. I'm like, well, let's see. Wait, Ty Ganji's actually played better than Marcus McMarion in conference play by quite a bit. If you go by numbers, like 10 touchdowns to five. That, that's a pretty big deal. Mm-hmm. However, McMarriage won those games. He's 3-0. So maybe I did ding rip it, but here's how I went really quick. I had um, Nick Stevens, who I apparently didn't write a board before. Whatever. Sorry, folks. I forgot that this morning. But he's number one no matter what, I think, for a while. Gangy, 8-2. McMarion 7-3. I dropped Chapman 2-4 to four just because he, he he had the yardage, but he kind of um, he didn't get in the end zone. Or no, he did get in the end zone one, but 12-27. I got That's not great. But you might be right, but I'm looking at pure numbers. Like, what has Rippin done to say he's a top five quarterback in the conference? I stuck him at – where did I stick him at? Number eight. Yeah, eight. Like, look at what he's done. Why should he be higher? you got to convince me here. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm, like, the last person outside of Boise that still believes in him. I don't know. I'm 
just saying, like, when I'm going through, I'm like going through numbers here. I'm like, all right, what should we do? Because McMary and Ganji put up big numbers, but like, really quick, here's what Rippin did last week. He threw for 72 yards. Come on. Okay, yeah. Gonna, okay, I'm, okay. I get you. <laughs> that's right. That's where I'm getting at. And really quick too, I put Kent Myers and Jordan Love 12. We'll get to that because who knows what's going on there. Montel Aaron might be better than 11, but since he had injury, I kind of just was injured and just took him in there behind Lamar Jordan. But there was a big shakeup this week, and I it's hard to figure out who's good because Worthman had five touchdowns and they kept him in the same spot. Yeah, I think it's fair, all things considered. And in my ranking, so if you don't like it, let me know right on social media or Facebook page or something. There you go. That's the move. I, yeah, we'll just see what happens because, like, maybe McMarion has a tough game versus San Diego State will drop down as we get to. Or Gaiji, Ty Gaines, when he plays, uh, have they played San Diego State yet? I don't think so. When they play them, they may have a tough game. So it's a moving target, but if you have big games, like throwing for about 400 yards, you're going to move up. This isn't week to week, but I kind of went overall because Josh Allen's been just okay. We'll see. But uh, should we get some games, I guess? Let's do it. Oh, really quick, one last thing. I was looking around at bowl projections. We st- we put up put ours out every week. Obviously, Aztecs aren't the big money bowl game right now. But one thing I did mention over at the uh, Athletic was Stu Mandel. He had a very interesting Hawaii bowl matchup. Did you happen to see what that was? I did not. Oh, crap. Now I'm forgetting what it was as I hype it up. No. Uh, USF versus Boise State. Nah, I would watch that game. I would watch that. So I, I, it took me just a second. like, wait a minute. Hold on. But then I remember, I'm like, it wasn't San Diego State, but I think the Hawaii Bowl gets the American second or third team. So that, whatever they're thinking there, their thinking was um, UCF in the big money bowl game. It may be Memphis to the was it Birmingham Bowl where they play like SEC seven, mm-hmm. but who, uh, that'd be a good one to watch, right? Yeah. All right, so now it's time to get the game. Sorry, I apologize for that. And your Fresno State Bulldogs got some love from the All American as well. So go dogs, right? Sure. Sure. <laughs> You're still skeptical a little bit, I can tell. I I try to remain impartial as best as I can. All right, we'll get to Fresno State as well when they play their first place on the line. First place, crazy. But yeah. we had to start with Friday night games. We have dueling games for the first time Friday night. So I guess get the iPad out or laptop to stream the ESPN game. We got Air Force at yeah. Nevada, CBS Sports Network, followed by CSU versus New Mexico, ESPN 2. All right, so um, Air Force at Nevada. Nevada is still 1-6. They finally won – or not finally. They won the game a couple weeks ago. As I mentioned, Ganji, great quarterback. Playing great, I should say. Maybe another great quarterback. i got to choose my words carefully there, correct? <laughs> That's what I meant to say. Not that he's great, but he's playing great momentarily. So, Air Force is a, basically a touchdown road, fav- road favorite, which is kind of odd, sort of, since they're only 2-4 and four as well. You see the over-under? over-under? It is 67.5 points. Well, he's playing a lot better as of late. Let's put it that way. And I didn't realize this. Air Force leads the conference in scoring at 36 per game. That sounds about right. Well, and when you consider that, you know, I'm I'm looking at the the score of each of Air Force's last game, and, like, the, the lowest number was actually their win last week against UNLV, when they combined for 64 points. So 
I wouldn't put it past them yeah. for another barn burner. Well, remember, they put up, was it 60-something versus VMI? So they put up... Okay. Really? This, or 62. Okay, 62. Okay, 13 versus Michigan, but then... Even That's if you true. Take just league play and Navy, they're above 30 points per game. 24, 38, 45, 34. So they're going to put up points. And do you trust Nevada's rush defense at all in this game? Well, that's a really good question, isn't it? <laughs> a question we always have because they are they're not bad this year, but they're not good. I mean, I think it, it kind of depends on which measures you, you really trust. You know, because if you look at the advanced numbers kind of like I do, you can see that they've been successful in some respects on defense and not so much in other ways. Like, generally speaking, they've been better at solving like third and short, fourth and short situations under power success rate. They rank in the top 40 on defense, which is pretty good. But in terms of overall success rate, stopping the run, they're more they're in they're ranked 85th right now which tells me that generally speaking, they tend to get pushed around a little bit. So, you know, this is going to be a really big game. I, I would say it's a, probably a bit big game for those guys in the secondary because they're the ones who are going to have to step up, I think, and make tackles, especially if, you know, Air Force wants to get the ball outside to Tim McVeigh and, um, what's the other guy's name? I'm trying to remember, I'm trying to remember the new guy's been getting, Nolan Erickson. That's his name. You know, I think... It wouldn't surprise me if you saw a lot of those two trying to get the edge on this three three five, and so I think that that makes you know the cornerbacks especially for Nevada really important. You know, someone like you know Damian Baber, Voshan Crumbie, they're going to be playing a little bit differently than they're accustomed to. I think in this game, sure, and like like, listen, like we see all the time when you play this defense offense, you got to kind of play your role, and also they got to take care of the pass too because was it uh, well worth it? did amazing things. I had five rushing touchdowns last week. He also, what was he, like 9-17 of 17 last week, I believe? Yeah, it was one of his better games throwing the football this year. And so they got a, not the, I, who knows if the odds that happy to get, no, sorry, that was two weeks ago. He was 4 of 8 last week. That was a, that must have been a prior game I'm thinking of. I apologize. 4 of 8 for 72. I was thinking of the past two prior games, sorry. The Mexico and Navy where he had, what, 9-17, 9-16. of So he has the ability, or the play calling could be throwing the ball quite a bit because that Navy game was the game we're thinking of, 257, where he had a couple of passing touchdowns. So there's a chance, like, he's not mm-hmm. gonna, normally not going to throw a lot because it's a mixed bag. Like, he went 1-7 of versus Michigan, but 4-8 of last week versus UNLV, or 1-5 of versus the Aztecs. So it's like, what's going to happen? But I think they're, we know what they're going to want to do is just run and run and run, and... The Aztecs are middle of the pack, about four yards per carry on the ground. It's just, it's like we always say, if they're going to stop this defense, look what Fresno did to New Mexico. Not not necessarily the total yards, which is great, but don't give up those huge plays that can happen. Like, don't give up the 40-yard play. Let them run for five yards a carry, running from anywhere from two to ten yards per play, but don't give up the 15, 20, 30, 45-yard play. And that's where Nevada, if they can do that, that's how they're possibly going to get to win. And... Air Force has been streaky. Like, they get down against certain teams. They've had to have a couple comebacks. Some went their way. Some did not go their way. Yeah, and I mean, it's kind of interesting when you look at the the breakdown of the kinds of runs that Nevada's been giving up on defense this year. 
you know, by 10 yard runs, it hasn't been that great. Actually, ironically enough, both Air Force and Nevada have given up 40 yards of more than 10 runs. The big difference, which, you know, depending on these offenses may or may not make a big deal. Air Force has given up 17 plays of more than 20 yards on the ground. Nevada's only given up seven. Yeah, and that is mildly interesting because, you know, they're going to get tested against a run-heavy offense in a way that they really haven't been so far. Like, you know, Colorado State is obviously a very good running team, but they don't place the same kind of emphasis on that attack as Air Force does. Yeah, so it is interesting to me that, you know, they haven't been as effective as maybe they could be in stopping the run consistently. Another issue is, or not issue, but concern maybe, is that look at the coaching staff for Nevada. It's obviously still still the new staff with Norvell, Mummy, and Timmy Chan, or I guess offensive coach that I mentioned. But coaches overall, it's a new staff. Have they ever <clears throat> prepared against this really? Have they ever seen this? Have they coached against this? They did play Cal Poly last year, but that's a different coaching staff from last year to this year. What did what did these coaches see? How long have they been pre- preparing for? We know they'll. Like they said, all summer, they mix it in fall camp, spring camp. But have these coaches ever really gone up against it? Players sort of have, but not – Got if you, I know the coaches know what they're doing because you're FBS coaches, but that's something to look into where what do they do to game plan or scheme against the offense may, maybe they've never seen more than a dozen times, if that, in their coaching career. Mm-hmm. See, I think – one thing that benefits these offensive coaches is that there's the potential for a very big mismatch in this game when you consider the other sides of the ball for these teams. And I'm thinking most specifically about the Nevada passing game versus the Air Force secondary. Do you realize where Air Force ranks right now in terms of defensive prevention of explosiveness? Uh, see, there's 130 FBS teams. I'm going to mm-hmm. guess uh, 125. Nope. 130. <laughs> they are 130th. And I and I wanted to see like just how much this mismatch might make a difference in this game because we all know Nevada they don't have a great running game. It's a it's a game that's been hit or miss. You know whether Kelton Moore can kind of get back on track and be the guy is an open question. But we know Ganji's going to get his opportunities to throw down the field. And I wanted to see just how Air Force really stacked up in that regard. So I went and I looked at what they've done as far as passing defense. And on the surface, you know, the first thing you notice is right now they rank third in the conference as far as opponents' quarterback rating. You know, there's 123, and they've only given up five touchdowns. They've only had two interceptions, which maybe isn't so great. But, you know, they're middle of the conference in terms of, like, yards per attempt. They're closer to the top of the conference. Actually, they're number one in completion percentage against them. But they've also faced the fewest number of passing attempts in the league. And when I went and I dug a little bit deeper, what I noticed is that, you know, by raw totals, they've only given up, you know, 14 pass plays of more than 20 yards. But I went and did the math based on the number of attempts that they've given up. And that's basically like one in six. 
have one in six pass attempts by an opponent that's gone for more than 20 yards. And, you know, when you consider what Nevada's done, we tend to think of them as a team that gives up a lot of big pass plays. But they've also faced a lot more passing opportunities. And that uh, that percentage that Air Force comes goes up against is actually a little bit higher than Nevada's own. So I think that there's a question about whether they're going to be able to limit big plays because we know that they're going to go deep, whether it's to Wyatt Demps or whether it's to you know McLean Mannix, who both of those guys are having really big years. Like Wyatt Demps has basically become the go-to guy in the red zone, especially for the Wolfpack. But you know you're talking about two guys that are averaging over 12 yards catch. That's a plus. You know they're two guys that have catch rates above 60 percent, which I would consider a plus considering the volume that they work with. You know, this Air Force secondary is going to have a lot on their plate trying to slow these two guys down. Yeah, and those two guys as well, really quick. That duo has the most touchdowns in the conference at 12. And it's not, it's not mm-hmm. even close. And so, yeah. what, like, who's going to show up? Here's the thing, like, I mentioned, like, I jokingly said, like, where would they be with Ty Gaines who started the whole year? Well, he's now finally there, and he's going to find, like, I know CSU's defense isn't that great because we saw versus Oregon State open plays downfield. Where those are just drops, and then other situations where they're getting beat, especially the Nevada game. So mm-hmm. we're gonna see like in this Air Force defense, I would say not as good. As, the secondary probably not as good as Colorado State. Is that? I think that's about right. I think that's fair to say. You know what these two secondaries actually have in common? Or actually, excuse me. Uh, before I say something erroneous, you know, one thing that I think is worth mentioning is like when you look at Havert, great. Look at the number of you know, tackles for loss, passes defended, and sacks, you know, basically positive plays for the defense. The Air Force secondary ranks 122nd in that regard. So, yeah, that's kind of another point in the favor of Nevada possibly being able to find plays down the field. Look at reverse real quick. I thought I had Air Force is up here, but you see Nevada's D-line have it great. It's 104th in the country. Oh, yeah, it's, it's not great. <laughs> Linebacker and secondaries are better, but that's a little bit different when you're going up against this team. I, I think Nevada's going to – I think it's going to be like a high-scoring game. Like, I think the over-under is correct. Being at 67.5, Nevada could score. Air Force leads the conference in scoring. Nevada put up – well, it was mostly passing last week. Colorado State's defense is pretty good overall. It's just the sec- – obviously, the secondary's not up to par compared to the front seven. But they mm-hmm. still put up a ton of points versus them. And this is a defense where – like, Air Force has been good. Like, we go back to the Michigan game, all the field goals and red zone stops they made. So there is potential it could be, but Michigan didn't really want to throw that much or couldn't throw that game, or excuse me, in that one game. But, like, look at Gansey, 428 yards last week. He has 10 touchdowns in three games in league play. I I don't – it's hard to replicate 428 and four touchdowns, but I could see a 300-yard passing game, and it also depends, too. Like, like you mentioned a few minutes ago, the running game. Is Kelton Moore going to run well? Are they going to go to somebody else? Like you said, like we had what booze get a couple, one carry the freshman out of Vegas. They have a couple of guys. Are they going to mix in? Is Ty Gage going to run a bit more? Are they going to give it to whoever's going to run the ball? We know it's going to be more than main guy. They play in too many freshmen. Like Isaiah Hamilton got carries. I It's going to be more balanced, but I think Gage's going to, if they're going to win, it's going to be because of what Gage does offensively. And he's going to have to just, score touchdowns because I don't think this Nevada defense is going to hold up too well versus Air Force's ground game. 
Yeah, I mean, I think you're probably right about that. But conversely, you know, another thing that is probably going to make a significant difference in this game is the fact that Air Force hasn't really been able to generate much pass rush at all. You know, they've only, what, had like five sacks on the year, I believe. Um, and when you consider that for all of the, you know, uneven performances that Nevada's had on offense so far, the one thing that they've been able to do is keep tight Hanji clean. You know, he only has five sacks against him and his sack rate is right around two and a half percent. You know, he's, you know, thrown the ball nearly 200 times to this point and he has five sacks. It's pretty good, you know, and that's a credit, I think, to all the guys up, up front. So, you know, is Air Force going to be able to get any pressure on him at all? Or is he going to have all day to throw and run if he needs to? That's true. And looking another couple of things, combining that stuff as well, like the five, you, you were correct, five sacks um, Air Force has had. One thing, too, that could be interesting, well, is a turnover margin. I was double-checking. That's just kind of curious, like, how they both. Neither are very good. They're both minus four and five apiece. Uh, Nevada's slightly better. And Gandy hasn't, I think, what does he have, like, three? Oh, shit, I had in front of me. His interceptions are, what, five on the year, I want to say. I wish I, I moved the page. Uh, six. So he has six interceptions. So that's an issue as well. And four of them has been the past couple of games. Like he had those three versus Fresno. That's going to be something to look, look at as well because there are going to be a lot of turnovers because look what happened versus Navy and Air Force. They had a fumble. I think was it one return for touchdown and one very close for a touchdown. you got to protect the ball. And maybe that will be going to come down to the game as well. I think the, both offenses will be fine. I think it's really going to come down to Nevada has to have some sort of rushing game because I think Gage will get his, but they need somebody to run for – give me at least 75 yards for Kelton Moore, at least that many. I think that even if they don't get that running game, they're going to be able to get by with the yards that they generate through the air. You think so? I think so. I think it'll be enough, though. Are we going to predictions? Yeah. I think it will be. So you're going Nevada victory? Home dog? The home yeah. dog is going to get the win outright? I mean, both of these teams have played a lot of really close games recently. You know, obviously the, the close call at Colorado State last week really set the wolf back back. But, you know, they've had a couple of close calls. And I think that when you consider the fact that, you know, this is an Air Force team that hasn't been able to generate turnovers the same way they have in the past. They haven't generated a pass rush like they've been able to in the past. You know, yeah, they're going to get their opportunities to really keep this offense off the field, but are they going to be able to contain that quick strike? Hmm. And I don't think so. So I'm going to have Nevada winning this game, and I guess I'll say 38-31. Okay, so really quick, I went to the um, pick center and ESPN. Number mm -hmm. fire predicts Air Force 39, Nevada 25. Whereas uh, TeamRankings.com, that's 35 to basically 30. They go decimal points. So, I I don't know. Man. And this is it. Where's this game at? Is it in uh, Reno, right? It's in, it's in Reno. Yeah. Um, uh, Nevada's been playing good, but they got the one victory. Air, oh, man. This is a tough one because Air Force hasn't instilled too much confidence because – Look at up the Navy, Michigan. They've had a lot of comebacks. A couple games, comebacks came their way, did not come their way. Because three of their, what, six games, they've had to come back by some sort of another. New Mexico, Navy, UNLV. There's some, all three had comebacks, only won one of them. Mm -hmm. I'm going Air Force because I, I still don't trust this Nevada defense running game. I'm going to go 
34 Air Force. A lot of points. 38-35. No. 38-35. All right. Points. All right. A little bit later, Colorado State, New Mexico. This is when you need your uh, second screen out at 8.15 local time there. Mountain time, that is. Um, if, you, if you're able to get to New Mexico, there's $8 tickets available. FYI. So you can uh, check that out, I guess. So we have another road favorite in this game. Rams are a 7.5-point road favorite over New Mexico. Does that sound about right to you, the way Lobos have been playing the past couple of weeks? Well, um, <laughs> I mean, you kind of have to hope that they look a little better than they did last week against Fresno State, don't you? Ooh, zero points can't get much worse than that. I mean, I'll say the same thing that I said last week. Like, this, this offense thrives when the running game is firing on all cylinders. And, you know, last week, obviously, was uh, an instance where that just wasn't the case. You know, I'll, when you're averaging five, nearly five and a half yards per carry like New Mexico is, a lot of for a lot of teams, that would be really good. But you consider that they're dropped off like almost a full yard, over a full yard from what they were producing a year ago. And, you know, they're really going to need this running attack to bounce back. Like, they haven't been as explosive as they were last year. You know, Tyrone Owens, he's the guy who has the most carries, but, you know, he's only averaging four and a half yards per carry, which is, I don't think, a figure that we really expected. And, you know, to me, you talk about power success rate, like their their ability to convert in short yardage situations has more or less fallen off the map from where it was a year ago. Like they're one of the worst teams in the country as far as being able to convert those opportunities after being pretty good at it a year ago. And, and while you want to say that that's going to change at some point, like, is it going to be this game where that happens? I'm not totally sure. We'll find out, I guess. Uh, this, here's the thing about this game. Let's go back to stick with the Lobos really quick because they switched quarterbacks around during that game as they kind of have all year. It seems mm-hmm. like reading Bob Davies' comments, he's going to stick with Lamar Jordan. But are you surprised that he meant that it's mentioned that he wants Jordan to throw the ball more? Well, I mean, we did talk about the throw balls coming into the year, so I guess I can't say I'm that surprised. Because here's exactly what he said. You're correct too. He goes, uh, "We got to do some things to help him." Referring to Jordan, uh, Davy goes on to say, "Maybe get a little more depth on his drops, so he's off on a scrimmage. So I guess a five-step drop or maybe shotgun as well." And basically, he's kind of putting it all on the offensive line. He hasn't had a realistic chance because of pressure or because of situations they're put in to do much in the passing game. So he's kind of saying, hey, O-line, get better. Block for me. Block for your guys. So you have that. So it doesn't seem like there's going to be a change, but you're going to see both quarterbacks in this matchup because Tuiaki played last week and he threw a ball a lot more. But he hasn't really – or Tuiota, sorry. I mixed his first and last name together. Zavaka Tuioti, sorry. But he's going to play on betting because he went 13-24 for 200 yards last week. We're going to see both, but it's, it's like you said, it's got to come back to the running game. What they do is run the ball. They don't have the talent, or they're not built, maybe not, that's not the right word, they're not built to be technically be the throwables where they're going to pass for 30 times a game or even 20 times a game. They mm-hmm. need to be about, I say, I'd say about 15 passes per game is probably their peak for what they do well. It's throwing just enough, and they have Jordan can throw well enough, I think, and so can Tavaka there when he comes in for relief at time. But they got to run the ball better, and he's right. You got to you can't be sacked. You can't a lot of pressure against Jordan to not let him throw. 
But let me go defense real quick. Okay, last week they played Fresno State. They also had pretty good receivers. Keyshawn Johnson, they – what did Fresno have? Two players over 100 yards? Is that right? Yes. Guys? Yes, they did. Okay, that's all well and good. Um, who's going to guard Michael Gallup? Is he going to get like 400 yards himself? I mean, that's the kind of the same question. I mean, we, I feel like we ask that question every week. Well, and... I mean, compared to Fresno, if you have better receive, I think there's better receiving on Rams, or at least, well, at least Gallup himself is better than Johnson. Maybe not the depth, but I think this could be a big game where Gallup has another huge one. Well, I mean, not only him. Like, you're if you look at the at the trio of receivers that Colorado State has, like old BC Johnson, he's averaging 14 yards a catch. They're gonna have to worry about him. And Detrick Clark, who actually has the best catch rate of that particular trio, you know, he's catching 73% of the passes that are thrown to him, and he has four touchdowns as well. So it's not just one guy. And, you know, I think that New Mexico's secondary has often been very inconsistent. Like, it seemed like New Mexico State, for instance, was able to really move the ball at will against this secondary but they really put the clamps down on on Boise State for the most part and for, on Tulsa for the most part and then kind of fell apart again against Fresno State. So, you know, while the numbers, I think, suggest a fairly positive matchup in this regard, I'm not so sure that it is. Like, I think that, you know, this is probably the best passing attack that they've faced so far, which, you know, considering what they had considering what Fresno State did against them last week, I think is kind of saying something. But, you know, in the same way that I kind of thought last week against Nevada would be the, the Nick Stevens show, I don't really see any reason why it wouldn't be more the same. I think you're right here. Looking at, I'm um, trying to find the defense stats here really quick. Here we go. Defensive footprints. So, um, it's weird because if you look at, like, we go over Havoc rate and stuff like that, would you are you do you have this in front of you for the Lobos advantage? I do. Yeah. Have you looked at their um, DB havoc rate? I have. How is it twelfth in the country? I think you know, a lot of it. I think some of it has to do with tackles for loss. Like if you look at Jake Rothschiller, who is having a very good year, I would say. Okay. You know he has six run stuffs, which is among the best figures on the team, and he has six tackles for loss and two sacks. So he's really been a very successful run defender. You know, him and you know Jacob Gurgle also back there. Those are the two leading tacklers on this defense. You know, on the flip side, you know, you're looking at a secondary that only has four interceptions so far. So, you know, they've been pretty good against the run, but I think that they've opened themselves up a little bit to big passing plays. Yeah, they get they're about middle of the pack at twenty six and or twenty six total pass breakups. And overall, like I just I know Havoc rate includes a lot of different things. I just kind of thought it'd be lower because they, like I said, look what Fresno did in the air. But so let me ask you this: What's going to be? Is Nick Stevens going to? have a – I know this is part. You're probably going to say no, but what what percentage or what chance would you say of him having a better game this week than last week? How many? Pa- what was his percentage last week? I, I've got it right here. It took me a second. Tw- oh wait, sorry, that's wrong. Wrong player. Twenty six to thirty seven. Three hundred and eighty four yards and four touchdowns. Ooh, I mean, that's a really high bar to ask. <laughs> it is. I, that's why it's like probably not, but I, I would you say. But it, would, but it wouldn't surprise me if it, it wouldn't surprise me if he were close because he's basically been on fire the last three weeks. Like 
he's been above 70% completions since the, basically since the Alabama game. Um, and he's had what, 10 touchdowns against zero interceptions. He's playing about as well as he, as he ever has. And this is including, you know, his really blistering second half last year. So what's your answer? (laughs) (laughs) He's still pressing me on that. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm going to say, I'm okay. The only reason I'm going to say no is because, I mean, if Colorado state gets out, to the kind of lead that they that I think they will, he's not going to be able to throw for 384 yards because he's not going to have that many opportunities to to throw down the field or to have catch and run plays for his benefit. Okay, let me let me ask you this real quick because his conference stats, really quick. You're right, ten touchdowns, no picks, eleven yards per attempt, a thousand yards, seventy three percent. I can go on seventy three percent completion percentage. Mm-hmm. Will he? Um, let me rephrase it because last week was um, above his average. Will he get to his average yards of three forty two in conference play? Because I mean, the, if, if he does what he does, it's three forty and three touchdowns essentially to keep pace. I think he's going to come close. Okay, it, it's tough to say. I know. I'm, I know. I'm putting it in spot. I don't. I don't think he will. I think he'll come close as well. I'm thinking. I can see like like you said, if they get out to a big lead. They have the running game where they don't need to throw because even though last week Dalen Dawkins had 191, let's just say they have another solid running game. I'm probably going to say I can see him completing about 70% of his passes, but only ha- like I'm going to say only in quotes here, like 250 and two touchdowns. Because I yeah, think I mean, the running game will be good enough. And I think the unless the Lobos can start running and running better than last week and put up the points we know they can, I just think the, pos- the potential is there for him to have a big game. But the weakness of this Rams defense is a passing game, and the Lobos don't really have the advantage to, take, to um, exploit that. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think if the Lobos are going to have any chance at all, one thing they're going to have to do is not only slow down Nick Stevens, but they have to do it early because, you know, he's been a lot better in the first half of games than he has been in the second half. And, you know, this is true of both conference and non-conference play, like, before halftime, he's got an 11 to 1 touchdown to interception ratio, and his completion percentage is about 11 points higher than it is in the second half of games. And when you consider what New Mexico's done on defense, defending the pass in first halves, it's not great. You know, like they're 10th in the conference as far as opponents' quarterback rating in that regard, and I think they're also 10th in as far as opponents' completion rate. So it wouldn't surprise me if you saw Nick Stevens try to get the ball to his trio of receivers early and often. And I mean, let's not also forget about Dalton Fackrell, who, by the way, I believe has a touchdown in three straight games, only has 12 catches on the year. So that's a pretty good ratio, I'd say. The Lobos are going to have their hands full with this passing attack. All right, prediction time. I am going to say Rams are going to be victorious. Because I still think they're the team to beat in the conference. Well, I guess them in San Diego State division minimal. I'm going to go forty to twenty-eight. I'm going to say forty-two to fourteen. Man, we're getting a lot of points here, aren't we? I don't think it's a good matchup for New Mexico this year. Over under is 58 and a half. So we're just barely above that. Yeah, a lot of points. All right, let's move on to Saturday. So Saturday, let's... you have all morning. All afternoon to do what you want to do. First game kicks in Vegas, three Pacific, UNLV at U- hosting Utah State. This is on a AT&T, correct? 
it is. Yeah, trying to look it up right now. AT and T Sportsnet. So, I guess if you're on your neck of the woods, it's. Um, is there an AT and T Sports, in, or is it still Root Sports Northwest? No, they, it was AT and T Sports. I tried to watch the Fresno State game last week, and it was being a super pain because of geotagging or whatever. Yeah. Okay. I'm like watching online. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if you're out of the market, you can watch. I guess out of the market that gets that channel you can watch it. But uh, yeah, AT and T Sportsnet, Utah State at UNLV. All right. So a couple things here. Utah State. Well, we got. I guess give the line. Rebels are a four-point favorite, which is sure. Why not? They're at home, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think the big issue for me, and we discussed pre before the show, what the heck is Utah State doing at quarterback? Well, I mean, according to Matt Wells, if you watched last week's game, apparently it wasn't that Myers got benched. His quote from from the from the press conference earlier this week, the plan was to go with Jordan Love at the beginning of the second quarter, and he played well. So I guess they're going to be going with two quarterbacks until further notice. You would think that. Let me read you. I'm going to let everybody hear this in all its glory. The final. Um sentence about the quarterback so i just closed my page out lovely that i did that dang it where'd it go all right here we go tell i want you've already heard this but give me your opinion again with what we said before here's what well says we have to evaluate playing both of them playing one of them sticking with kent moving on to jordan or playing them as a combination we'll make that decision moving forward can we just all agree that coach press conferences are kind of pointless we, yes, we can agree, but like the only thing I can take from that is that uh, Kent Myers is still the starter. At least he'll take the first snap. Everything else means like roll a dice and see what happens, essentially. Yeah, and I mean, I think it's kind of an open question of, okay, yeah, you're going to play two quarterbacks, but are either of them going to be very good? Because, you know, yeah, UNLV's defense, I think, is definitely beatable through the air, but... You know, you look at Kent Myers and what he's done, he's been up and down the same way. I mean, I feel like I repeat myself every time we start talking about Utah State, but, you know, it's an offense that is not explosive in the way that they need to be, I think, to be successful. Like Myers and Love, neither of them top six yards per attempt, which is not good. You know, Kent Myers has a sack rate of 10%, which means he's thrown the ball 190 times. He's been sacked 21 times so far. That's just not going to get it done. Like, and yeah, he has a 63% completion rate, but he's one-to-one as far as touchdowns to interceptions. So they haven't been explosive. They haven't been particularly good at taking care of the ball when they want to throw it. And they haven't been particularly good at throwing, at protecting the quarterback. So what kind of difference is it going to make against the secondary? <laughs> I, it's not, is it really? Nothing? Well, yeah, that's that's what I'm asking. Wow, I don't. It doesn't matter who's back there. I mean, like you would think with you mentioned the sack numbers for Kent Myers, you would think a guy who actually has some legs or allegedly would not be sacked 21 times. You would think, right? I, I, I honestly, I don't know. Like we propped up Kent Myers, he was doing pretty good, but like we mentioned a bunch, he got early playing time due to injuries back way back when. But here's, like I'll mention again, like. Matt Wells recognizes switching quarterbacks. It's not easy to do, but you've been through. I've told you last week. You've been through this with Fresno, watching them play quarterbacks, yo-yo back and forth. 
you got to stick with the guy. I appreciate Wells has a plan. Like, okay, we're gonna get Jordan Love this carry or this snaps in the second quarter. He played better. We're keeping him in. At least he has that plan in place. But I don't know who to start. Like, it doesn't really matter. They bring in Jordan Love to run a little bit, but it's not. Neither quarterback inspires confidence at all. I mean, I think one thing that might work in their favor is that UNLV's secondary hasn't been gr- I mean, we know they haven't been that great defending the pass, but, you know, they only have, <clears throat> excuse me, they only have 17 passes defended so far. It's like five interceptions, which is middle of the pack, but they've only broken up 12 other passes, which is dead last in the conference. So, you know, what that tells me, like, if they can get, their receivers out in space, whether that's Ronquavian Tarver or Jordan Nathan or whomever. I have a feeling that there may be room for them to operate if they can make those plays happen, you know, or, you know, alternatively, if they decide to try to include Dax Raymond more in the, in the game plan, like we talked about him a little bit in our recap last week, you know, I'm not so sure that UNLV has a guy you know, whether it's a linebacker or safety, who's going to be able to cover him over the middle. Because we're talking about a big target at 6'5", 245. And as far as the guys that, you know, UNLV starting in their linebackers, you know, none of them are particularly big dudes. Like, yeah, I think Bailey Lalagi might be the guy for that particular assignment. He's only 6'1", 220. So you're talking about a mismatch over the middle that may be worth exploiting in this particular game yeah for sure if we get it to tight end across the middle why not but it's a couple of things they got to do as well it's like you got to run the ball too mm-hmm. and the, they it looks like they finally are sticking with lawan hunt because el toro allen's uh load carrying the ball has decreased every week since the san jose state because he had one carry last week for 15 yards if they get the running game going that's what i think i think ultimately it's what's going to help utah state because you're not going to get sacked. You can bring in the play action. You can do bootlegs. You can do a lot of things to avoid those negative plays. And he's done decent. Like, when he played one, I mean, last week, 73 yards against a good defense. He's been, like, what would you say, slightly above average? Like, he averaged uh, 6.3 yards versus San Jose State on 10 carries, 65 versus BYU. He's just been okay, but he needs to get a good 75, maybe 100 yards just so UNLV can't just attack. And go after the quarterbacks because the offensive line isn't great either. But they're, if they, they've done just well enough for the running game at times. And I, I guess sticking with Hunt is the best answer because it gives you consistency. And once he gets in a groove, it seems like he's doing better. But again, he only has two touchdowns. And he is really average. Only three, just over three and a half yards per carry. But if they can get that going, that'll clearly help whether it's Love or Myers throwing the ball. We've talked a lot about teams that haven't been very good in short yardage situations oddly enough utah state is not one of those teams on offense like you know i've talked a little bit about power success rate with a couple of other teams so far they're making the top 40 so like they've shown that their running backs you know whether it's been hunter allen or whomever they've been relatively successful as far as being able to move the chains like in in third and short situations they're averaging seven yards carry and they've converted on for a first down on 15 of 23 attempts. So that's really good. And that's the kind of thing that can maybe turn this game in their favor if they can create long drives against this defense. Because, 
you know, even and even if they don't create long drives, you know, one of the things that UNLV has been up against all year long is they've been battling really bad field position. You know, on on average, their opponents' drives have started at about the thirty-two and a half. You know, which you know, if you look at what Utah State's been able to do, that's a huge potential advantage for them if they can turn field position in their favor, put the Rebels' defense on their heels, and move the chains. You know, that might be enough to offset what I'm assuming will be a running game that's going to be able to get theirs one way or another. Yeah, it's a yeah, field position's always key, but it's I don't know, let's move you and it'll be a bit more real quick. You got one matchup on a seat, Armani Rogers, whatever is he get thrown up, but I think Jalen Davis are gonna get a pick or two in this game. Because he's probably gonna be marked up with a Devontae Boyd, I'm assuming. That'll be one of the better matchups to watch. But I I just this game I don't know. I'm not excited about this game. That's kind of what I'm getting at here too a little bit. <laughs> but here's the thing. Um if we stick with you with stick with UNLV's offense, what they can or can't do. Looking at like what Utah State's defense, it's like you said it earlier on. It's it's okay. It's not as good as it used to be, but it's better than last year. I think that's we can say that amount. And like looking at who they played this year, yeah, they played. A, they haven't really played a good offense outside of Wisconsin. I guess Wake Forest. I should give them some credit. But whose offense would you ha- rather have? You Wyoming or UNLV? Well, I, well, sorry, I mean, they played CSU. I apologize. I missed that one. Yeah, I was gonna say. Like, who's better, Wyoming UNLV on offense? I mean, wouldn't you almost have to say UNLV? I was thinking that. I thought it, thought you might hesitate a little bit because, well, well, maybe not because UNLV has a running attack and yes. wide receivers. While the passing game in general is not great with Armani Rogers, it'll get there. It's been just not as good as like Ganji or McMarion or Stevens has been. No, nobody really is at the moment, but. Josh Allen hasn't done much either. So are they gonna? How are they gonna? Are they gonna struggle more in this game because UNLV can actually run the ball? Because you got what uh, Thomas back there just gonna kind of go crazy, going up seven, eight yards per carry. Yeah, I mean, I think one thing worth worth keeping in mind is that you know we know UNLV is gonna run the ball, and we know that they've had like huge success running the ball in early downs, especially. But one thing that might make a difference is, you know, Armani Rogers, he's obviously learned, still learning on the job. He's been up and down and things like that. But, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if this game comes down to him and his ability to convert on third downs. Because if there's a situation where they haven't been particularly good on offense, I would say that's pretty much it. Like, you know, if you look at what Rodgers has done on third down, it's by far his worst situation. Like, he's above 60% on first and second down, and he's below 40% on third downs. And granted, a lot of that has to do with being in third and long situations. You know, he actually hasn't been in that many, ironically enough, or maybe oddly enough. You know, he's been, I'm, I'm trying to look at the splits, He's had 19 attempts in third and six or less. And he's had, I'm trying to do the math. He's had 24 on third and seven or more. So I feel like there's there's something telling there. Like if they could put him in manageable situations, he's been able to succeed. But if they need him to complete like an eight yard pass, 
you know, I feel like that's as much on him being able to step, take a step forward as, you know, the second and third guys in this offense. Like, we know Brandon Presley has some playmaking ability. We know he's got some catch-and-run ability. But this might be his time to really step up and make that happen. And, like, we know Kendall Keyes is a big target, you know, but he only has 11 catches on the year. He only has, you know, 18 targets overall. You know, maybe some of it has been an over-reliance on Devontae Boyd, who for as good as he's been, you know, when you compare him to other really good receivers in the conference, his catch rate is way down. Like, it's only around 44%. So I think it's going to be really important for Rodgers to find that second and third option if they need him in a situation where they need to move the chains. Like, if they need eight yards on third down, you know, their success or failure to convert in those situations might be the biggest difference in this game. Very well could be. One reason why I think he could have the success for at least third and short yardage situations is go back to the running game really quick. They have a good running attack. Rodgers can run himself plus the other backs. Utah yes. State is only is eighth or sorry, I mean yards per game, but yards per play, Utah State a little better than I thought. They're about four yards they're about four yards, which is right in the middle of the pack. So if UNLV can have success running the game, running the ball, which I think they should be able to, at least here and there, because Utah State's also given up fourth uh, middle of the pack of touchdowns too. Mm-hmm. Right? But four point oh two, that's average. UNLV's running game is above average. Kind of simple what I'm getting at here. They should be able to run fairly well against this team, thus giving third and fewer, like third and five or fewer yards for Rodgers. If it's third and five, third and four, or less that gives the threat to run or pass because they will run the ball on third and five if they need to. They may mm-hmm. run a quarterback uh, designed run play when it's on third and three or third and four. I think the running game will be successful enough to set that up more often than not, and I, d- I doubt we'll see third and 12 for Rodgers forcing the throw, and that's when we'll see guys like Jalen Davis or Dallin Levitt making plays in the secondary. Yeah. So, I gotta go to the home team here. I gotta go Rebels. I don't trust Utah State because when you go back and forth in quarterbacks, unless a defense like Davis or something gets defensive scores like BYU, I don't think Utah State can win this game. So, what's your final score? Oh, score, that's right. Um, I, uh, I'll i go 30-21 to 21 UNLV. I think Utah State will get some points, but because Rebels defense isn't great, but, yeah, what did I say? 30-21. 30-21 in favor of the Reds. I like the Rebels in this game, too. I'm not expecting them to run away with it, per se, but I just don't trust Utah State's offense at all, even against a, you know a, a hit-or-miss defense like UNLV's. So I have the Rebels winning as well. I'm going to say 28-14. to 28-14. All right, next game. Now we get to the nightcaps. we got dueling night games here. Wyoming at Boise State. Uh... ESPN 2, um, 8, 8 o'clock there, 8.15 out in the Mountain Time Zone in Albertson Stadium. Broncos are an amazing 14-point favorite against Wyoming. Really? Yeah, do you think, I think that's too much, don't you? That is a lot higher than I thought it would be. Yeah, it started out as, um, I guess it opened up at 14.5. Jeez. I, I guess they're basing it on Wyoming's not very good. They don't have a running game. Quarterback plays uh, inconsistent at best. Defense is really good. That's why I think it's high. Because I know Boise State's played well. Like, Madison's had back-to-back 100-yard games. I saw some stats. I think Brian Harson is only, 
in, that, in a game where they've rushed for over 100 yards or they had one player over 100 yards, I think he's only lost three games since 2014. Something ridiculous. And if you notice this, you like versus Virginia, less than 100 yards. Washington State, I believe, less than 100 yards rushing as well. I don't think. Yeah, because their first 100-yard rusher was that BYU game. Yeah. But I think the key for me, obviously, in this game is 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 Madison finally healthy, like we suspected the past couple weeks. Can he run against the Wyoming defense? I think that's how Boise is going to win because, as we discussed in my quarterback rankings, Brett Ripon's not very good. They bring in Montel Cozart again. I don't really see why he does a couple good things, but ri- I think rhythm plays in a big deal, plays a big way how you play. Uh, it that that's kind of the key for me, really. If Wyoming could stop. Madison from getting 100 yards. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's a fair point because if you if you really dive into the rushing numbers, you know, there's really no glaring splits between, you know, from down to down or from quarter to quarter or anything like that. You know, on a per-play basis, they're ranked third in the conference. They only allow three and a, or 3.7 yards per carry, which is, you know, all things considered, pretty good. And I think that you know, maybe some of that has to do with the fact that they haven't played great running attacks in the last couple of weeks. I think that's maybe inflated the numbers a little bit. I think it might be instructive to look at the Hawaii game, you know, where Yasmi St. Juiced, you know, wasn't quite as explosive as he's looked in the last couple of weeks, but, you know, they managed 170 yards as a team and they managed right around four and a half yards per carry. And I think if you're Boise State and you're looking at someone like Alexander Madison to be a real key for this team, those, I think, are probably your benchmarks. Like, even if he can't you know, break open for a 30, 40-yard run or anything like that, if you can break out for like a couple of 10-yard runs, 12-yard runs, and be steady rather than explosive, I think that's kind of what you need to challenge this Wyoming defense, which, especially that front four, has been pretty good, all things considered. So what about, so we get to the quarterback situation? Yeah. So really quick, during the show, I saw a tweet from um, Brandon Foster covers the uh, Cowboys for what, Trib.com, I guess that's the official website. Mm -hmm. He sent a tweet out from Todd McShay, or at least a link. He lists the – this is just a couple hours ago. The top, His top five draft prospects overall. Not quarterbacks, overall. Mm-hmm. Where, I want you to guess, where does he have Josh Allen? Oh, wait, I think I saw that tweet earlier. Didn't he have Allen fifth? Third. Third. Why is this – is it just potential? Is it because he's 6'5"? I don't know. I get. I mean, I don't. I don't think we need to rehash that conversation again. No, I just saw this. It's a new thing. I just want to bring up really quick because it's a new thing. We. It's just a stop. I think. We're, are you surprised as I am? Well, I mean, am I am I putting on my Josh def, Josh Allen defender hat again? Really quick. We like I said we don't need to do too much, but. But here's the, you can say the same thing really quick about Sam Darnold or Josh Rosen. Neither have played great this year. But they're still top five. Is, is it just Q, NFL wants QBs, or we we, we kind of know the answer to that? But it just seems like his production doesn't seem to be fitting to be even top half of the conference. Yeah, I mean it's it's a little hard to say because y- yeah, he did look a little bit better last week against Utah State, which I think is probably more encouraging than a lot of people realize. Like 
you know, he completed nearly 70% of his passes. And, you know, if you look back at what he did last year, like the, the best analog, I think against an FBS opponent, probably that opener against Northern Illinois, you know, the one, you know, the one that went on to like 3am or something like that. Yeah, lightning weather delay. So, like, he doesn't have that many games where he's been that accurate. And so, you know, I think if you're looking to hang on to something, maybe that's it. You know, what my biggest concern is, is, you know, is he going to be able to turn around his performance on the road? Because, you know, maybe some of it has to do with going to face a team like Iowa or something like that. But he hasn't been particularly good ever on the road compared to when he's been at home at Wyoming. You know, yes, his his completion percentage is up a lot, but his yards per attempt is down by about a yard and a half from on the home from home versus road games. And he's only thrown one touchdown against three interceptions in two games away from Laramie so far. So I think this is a big moment for him to really try and reverse that trend. Yeah, his best, real quick, his best road game by completion percentage was at New Mexico last year, 64%. Or actually, no, sorry, Eastern Michigan, 65%. So he's had a couple, but like Utah State game is his best game ever on the road, completion percentage-wise. And so I know going to Boise is different than going to Utah State, but i just wondering, I just want to see him do something a bit better. Like, I'm not trying to bash on him, but it's like, you're right. The last two games have been encouraging. 219 versus Texas State, 208 versus Utah State, four touchdowns, one pick. That's that's quite good. This Boise defense, I know they play wide. They, they, they can be hit or miss. That's the thing with them. When they played Washington State, they didn't give up that touchdown until late in the fourth quarter. They played well last, very well last week uh, in their upset victory over San Diego State. But then they play Virginia and give up a million points, it seems like. They were out of the game. In seconds, partly because a little bit of bad throwing by Rippon, but also the defense couldn't stop the passing attack of UVA's quarterback. And maybe if that Boise State defense appears again, maybe this is Josh Allen's best game of the year. You know what I want to see is I want to see if James Price can take another step forward because, you know, he started to see a little more action last week against the Aggies and he tied for the team lead with Austin Conway as far as targets like they both had five apiece and you know we know Conway's probably their number one guy you know win lose or draw but they haven't really had a number two that they've been able to rely upon so far like CJ Johnson who I think we expected to be pretty good and yes he has four touchdowns and he has 16 yards per catch but I think so far, maybe they've been treating him more like a big play receiver because his catch rate is under 50% at the moment. And, you know, granted, so is James Price's, but, you know, last week was really his best performance of the year. You know, he had five targets, but he had four catches and he led the team in receiving. So if he's a guy who can step into that number two role, you know, and be that kind of big target that I think Josh Allen kind of needs, you know, a guy who can go up and get it or something like that. You know, yeah. obviously, yes, obviously, yes, Boise has a really good secondary, but he might be the kind of guy who makes a difference for this offense. And he's probably, or hopefully coming into his own because he missed the first three games because he had a, uh, I forget the injury, but he had a preseason training camp injury. Mm-hmm. And so that's obviously a big deal. And he, he did came out in the Hawaii game, his first one back. 
for a 25-yard touchdown reception, but four for 72. Yeah, they need him to step up. If if he comes back and gets another six targets, Conway does well, does his thing, C.J. Johnson, that's an area they can exploit maybe in Boise's defense. But the one thing that we've been harping on why I'm quite a bit is, well, me besides Josh Allen, running game has been not very good at all. Mm-hmm. And is it going to be Trey Woods, Kellen Overstreet? Uh, is Milo Hall going to get a few more carries? It's Josh Allen, who used to be able to run well, is get 1.7 yards per carry. Did you know, really quick, unless you've looked, do you know who leads Wyoming in rushing touchdowns? Uh, I'm actually looking at it right now. There are four people with one touchdown. Josh Allen has two touchdowns. Oh, he does? Okay, he's listed as having one oh, I'm on, on football study hall. Regardless, but, it's not good. Either, either either they all tied or he has two. That's still not good. But, you know, to, to add on something you said a moment ago, like that 1.7 yards per carry doesn't account for sacks. But it's probably not great for Wyoming that even when you adjust for that, like he's their best rusher, essentially, averaging 4.9 yards per carry. You know, I think they need Trey Woods to be better than, you know, he was last week where he... He had a positive game a couple weeks ago, but last week he was under three yards carry again. And we know this Boise front seven is going to probably focus on that because I think they want to treat Josh Allen the same way that they treated Christian Chapman a week ago. You know, shut down the running game, dare you to beat them down the field. Is Josh Allen going to be able to do that? Maybe. Maybe. But it's a know. big maybe one way or the other. It is a big maybe because... We've seen him play this year. He hasn't done all that great. Yeah. He's just been, I would say at best, he's been okay this year. Like, we want to see him step up in a big game because this, what, this is a pretty big game. Because they're sitting in the conference play. They Remember, they're the defending Mountain West champs in the division. They are 2-0 and in the division. Boise's 2-0. and Whoever wins this game is going to be likely challenging Colorado State for the title. Because the Rams still have to play both the Cowboys and the Broncos. And maybe it'll be a three-way tie situation, but I I just don't see what I mean winning. I think it'll be closer than that 14 points. I just, unless Josh Allen has the game of the of, of the year for him, I don't see, even how good the Wyoming defense is, which we haven't really mentioned too much of like Logan Wilson or Andrew Winger back there, what they've been doing by just tearing it up. I don't think that'll be enough. Yeah, and I think maybe one more thing that's worth mentioning is there's a little bit of transition, I believe, along Wyoming's offensive line. You know, Alonzo Velasquez, who I believe is the right tackle, um, true, true freshman, you know, he, I believe, last I read, is going to be done for the year, they're thinking, with a meniscus tear. So, you know, obviously next man up for whoever steps into that spot, but, you know, it's a... It's an offensive line that's been banged up here and there. And, you know, they're going up against a Boise front four, especially, who can, you know, not only defend the run, but bring a pass rush as well. So they've been a little bit up and down as far as being able to protect Josh Allen. Like his he's been sacked 12 times. It's a it's a sack rate right around seven percent, which is okay. But they're gonna be severely tested. By, you know, Jabril Frazier and company in that front four. All right. One last thing before the prediction time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just, just moments ago, 
I did not realize this, but Wyoming is getting back tight end Austin Fort, who tore his PCL in August. Oh, that's good news. Another wide, He's technically listed as a co-starter with the two other tight ends, with uh, Tyree Mayfield and Josh Harshman. But Fort's a guy that, like, here's Josh Allen, what he said. It says it's awesome, ha- saying he wants him back. I don't I don't think he got a target, but uh, referred to last week. But him being out there, running the routes against Utah State, different things he can bring to the table with the offense. It's a good thing. So, mm-hmm. I don't know how, like, he played last week for Utah State. Maybe he'll get more more reps this week, more um, targets perhaps. But if, if he can get a couple targets this week and make something happen, that's just another weapon that they have, and maybe that's all Josh Allen needs, getting these guys back, like getting Price back, now getting Fort back in the lineup. Because really quick, last year, now he's not pulling up here for me, never mind. I was going to look up his numbers really quick, but basically just having another target out there can't be bad for him. I still, exactly. I'm, I'm still going to take Boise State, but let me, if here's really quick. If Wyoming's going to win, the Logan Wilson, those defense, has to shut down Madison, and can't let Brett Rippon beat him in the air, which he hasn't done it all year, so I don't see it happening again. But I'm still going to say Boise State. Like it'll be like the Utah State game, sort of close, like 28-20 for Boise State. I also think it's going to be close. I also think Boise's going to be able to pull this one out, but it's not going to be easy. I think the defenses are going to lead the the way for both of these teams. So. I, I'm going to say 17, 17 to 10. No, Boise no. State wins this game. Or, yeah. That's it. 17 to it, 10? It's going to be a tough fought fight. Yeah. Low scoring game. 17 to, You do know the over under is 46, which is not high, but that's fine. Go with it. All right. Final game. Is this the game of the week? Unexpectedly, yes. <laughs> Say so. Well, I mean, Boise to both undefeated in league play, but 7.30 Pacific, Aztecs um, TV home, CBS Sports Network, hosts, host 3-0, and the fighting Jeff Tedfords, Fresno State Bulldogs. Mm-hmm. Aztecs, we, we, we mentioned the line last week, it actually dropped. It started at, what, 11, I think we said. It's now down to a 7.5, which I think is more accurate. So, did you ever think um, this was a possibility this year at all, that during this game, first place would be on the line? No, I mean, I'm already thinking that I should probably self-report to Old Takes Exposed or something like that. <laughs> That's, go for it. He, he, he quoted me a couple of times, so you need to get in on, get in on the fun. Mm-hmm. But, okay, what do you think, that seven and a half a point favorite? What do you, um, yes, no? I mean, I think that that's fair. Because, you know, San Diego State is, they're going to be motivated, first of all, after basically getting hammered at home by a very good Boise State team. And then, you know, being able to hold serve against what's turned out to be another very good team in conference play so far. So I think, you know, maybe it's stating the obvious, but the the first order of business, I think, is going to be getting Rashad Penny back on track. You know, because... He was more or less shut down last week, and I think it's worth noting that you know Fresno State, for as good as they've been defending the run, you know they're going to miss Malik Forrester at least in the first half of this week's game. Uh, he actually got ejected in the second half last week for throwing a punch against New Mexico. 
and he's been pretty good so far this year. Like his numbers don't jump off the stat page, but you know, he's one of those guys where, you know, his presence in the middle of that defense has really allowed the guys around him to thrive. Like you're talking about a guy who has two sacks, has three and a half tackles for loss and has basically played that kind of, you know, off nose tackle position to, you know, I don't want to say perfection, but he's been really good at it, you know? So there's going to be a lot of responsibility on the guys who step up, at least to replace him in that first half, because, I mean, we kind of know, I think, what San Diego State's going to do. They're going to give the ball to Penny, they're going to give the ball to Juwan Washington, and they're going to see if they can soften this Fresno State defense between the tackles. So we know how good they did last week versus uh, New Mexico. Mm-hmm. 2.95 yards per carry, 109 total yards. But this is a completely different Russian attack. Yes, it is. Because New Mexico is a bit more speed-based. It's more of a misdirection. Whereas Aztecs are like, they re- there's a reason they have Nick Bottom playing fullback. Yeah. He will, put, with his broken hand, push you out of the way and make one-handed grabs at the same time. He will do all that in this matchup. But like, I'm thinking this might be more like uh, Alabama than in Mexico for the Russian defense for San Diego State. Not saying, obviously, Chapman's not going to bust off a 75-yarder, but that's probably the most comparable running attack that they faced. Not necessarily talent-wise, but scheme-wise. And they had no answer against the Crimson Tide. But there's other reasons for that. Just better offensive line, better, just kind of better talent out there outside of maybe Penny being on par with those guys. But I think that's the most accurate scheme they faced because Washington – Decided to throw the ball with Jake Browning. Nevada d- didn't run the ball well. We know the Spartans' rush def- offense is pretty terrible. So I'm thinking Penny's going to bounce back for a pretty big game. Won't be seven yards a carry like Alabama, but I could see him getting about 125 at least, maybe more. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a really interesting test for, especially I think the interior of this San Diego State uh, offensive line because – I mean, let's face it, they got beat a lot last week. They ended up giving, I think it was 12 tackles for loss. So they're going to need the young guys especially, and I'm talking most specifically about guys like Deshaun Dixon and Keith Ismail. You know, they're both underclassmen. They've both been very good more often than not. You know, and at, but at left guard and at center, I think there's going to be a lot of responsibility on them to kind of create running lanes through the middle And conversely, I think this is a really big game for both of Fresno State's inside linebackers. I think Jeffrey Allison is going to play a huge role in this game. If he can get off of his blocks and, you know, get to double-digit tackles or something like that, I would expect him to be a guy as, as being integral to really keep Penny from getting to the second level. And if he does, you know, then you've got the guys behind him in the secondary, Juju Hughes and Mike Bell, who've... You know, both shown an ability to play pretty well against the run so far. You know, I think, you know, it's that that middle of the offense, the point of attack, and kind of the the middle of the defense. If you're to draw a line with the through the traditional X's and O's, I think that's where this game is going to be won or lost for San Diego State on offense. Not nothing to do with Christian Chapman then. I mean, yes and no. I mean, I think one thing to watch out for with Chapman is that, you know, in the same way that the offensive line got pushed around in the running game, you know, now he's, for as good as he's been in a lot of respects, now he's sporting a sack rate above 10%. You 
And, you know, Fresno has been, you know, pretty good, I think, at pressuring quarterbacks, even if they haven't always gotten there. So, yeah, there's going to be some chances for him, I think, to convert plays, but I don't necessarily think he's going to be a focal point unless they absolutely need him to be. So, nor- Christian Chapman, business as usual, then? Like I, I would think so, yeah, unless things start getting out of hand in the same way that they did last week. So, like, 10 to 16? Yeah. All right, so we'll see what that Chapman can do in the secondary, but can, or not secondary, but passing against that secondary. Let's go to Fresno's offense here. They have Marcus McMarion is, um, besides Nick Stevens, he's probably the best quarterback in conference play. Are we forgetting about Ty Ganji now? Sorry, sorry, sorry. Ty Ganji as well, sorry. Top three quarterback? Like, I put him top three as we mentioned before. He's he's one of the few grad transfers as we mentioned. Hey, look what he's doing. It's actually working out for once. But he has the best quarterback rating. He has um, one interception. This is all games overall. He's The yardage isn't quite there until you look at the past couple of games. Because you can't really count like Washington or whatever, but I guess San Jose State not great, but he's like, look at New Mexico. I know it's a completely different defense, but 13 yards per attempt. Is Do you think there's any way he could ta- have advantage against any of those guys in secondary for San Diego State? Because Fresno has one of the best group receivers in the conference outside of maybe like Colorado State. The, that is the big question. Because, yes, Marcus McMarion has looked good in conference play, but this is by far the best secondary that he'll have faced so far. You know, and they didn't really get that many opportunities to make plays last week against Boise State. But, you know, you're still talking about a secondary with, like, what, three guys who could be all-conference performers so far? Like, you know, Ron Smith is... If you look at the cornerbacks especially, Ron Smith and Cameron Kelly on the outside, you know, they're probably going to be lined up against Keyshawn Johnson and Darian Grimm, which makes, to me... I kind of wonder how they're going to account for Jameer Jordan because he's probably going to be lining up in the slot more often than not. And do they have a guy who's going to be able to keep up with him? I don't know who that guy would be. Like, would it be Tariq Thompson kind of playing up in coverage or are they going to trust a linebacker to be able to keep up with him if, if they want to challenge him like what, five to eight yards down the field or something like that? I don't know that San Diego State has one guy that's going to be able to count for Jordan in the same way that they might for the guys on the outside. So that would be one thing that I would watch for in that particular dynamic. Yeah, because they play that three-three-five, so it's a unique setup of who's going to guard who, especially underneath guys. I, yeah. don't, I don't think you could stick a linebacker on him. That would be foolish. I mean, yeah, I think you're probably right about that. But it'll be interesting to see how they deploy Jordan to kind of solve this secondary because, you know, they haven't lost any of their playmaking ability, you know, for as rough as things looked against Boise state last week, this is still a team that can create opportunities for themselves in a way that a lot of other Fresno state opponents, at least so far in conference play really can't. So what do you think? Like, is Fresno going to have some, I don't, there's no way Mc, this is probably going to be McMarion's worst game in conference play. I think it's safe to I, – I would think so. Not to say he's a bad game because we've all been good, but at, well, at, le- at worst the toughest, I'll say that, obviously. But I'm thinking this might be his um, – I don't want to 
putting anybody down, but it's going to be his toughest game and probably going to be his worst game. I mean, I don't think that that's stretch. Like I said, I think he's he's definitely going to be tested more often than than not than he was last week, especially like you know San Diego State's not going to let a guy get open by like seven yards in the same way that New Mexico did a couple times last week. To me, what I would watch out for is that you know yes, he does have the best overall quarterback rating in the conference, but. You know, one thing that he still has to prove, which it may be an oddity or maybe something that's a more serious concern, you know, the offense's effectiveness has, you know, there's a significant drop from first and second down to third down. And at least a lot of that so far has fallen onto McMarion's shoulders because, yeah, he has the best overall quarterback ranking overall. On third downs, though, he has the worst overall quarterback rating and it's not even close like do you want to take a guess as to what it is 49 well close it's 66 close hey yeah that's not good not good at all yeah and just by way of comparison the 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 next to last dude on that list josh allen has a quarterback rating on third downs of 93 so there's a pretty substantial gap and you're talking about you know yeah it's only 30 pass attempts but he only has three first downs on those pass attempts and you know it's just it's one of those weird things that at a certain point you have to kind of wonder whether there's something you know whether it's something in the player or maybe something in the offense that they just haven't been able to account for yet but you can be sure that San Diego State knows that's the case and that they're going to scheme for something in a way that you know whether it's just being able to create stops or create turnovers. One of those two things is going to, you know, be really important for the Aztecs to create for themselves, but also for the Bulldogs to avoid. Like if they can continue moving the ball on early downs as well as they have so far, that makes it a totally different game. You know, it's interesting. I'm looking at the third down quarterback grading. I went through not just, um, because you can sort by down and distance. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what down and distance it is for McMarion. It could be third that's, and that's one. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, third and one or third and 15. He's basically the worst quarterback in the conference in doing that. Yeah, and we should say maybe small size, small sample size caveats apply. Yeah, he has, uh, where was that? It's 30, 30 altogether, yeah. 30 attempts. Yet, Chase and Virgil, 24 attempts, much better. <laughs> yeah, so that's what I'm saying. That's something to keep yeah. an eye on. But then, you know, alternatively, you know, is Ronnie Rivers going to be able to play in this game? As far as I know, that's still up in the air. But he hurt his arm last week. Apparently, there's nothing serious. There's no ligament damage or anything like that. But if they do decide to keep him out, like this is, I think, an opportunity for Jordan Mims and Josh Hokett. They've really been kind of the one two punch. And I would kind of expect that they're going to get maybe a little more work than we've seen from them so far. And they've been pretty good on the whole. You know, they're averaging 4.6 and 4.9 yards per carry, respectively. But we haven't really seen them used in, you know, other than in roles where they're basically salting the game away. You know, now we're going to see them in the first quarter rather than Rivers. And what are they going to do to really keep the chains moving? That's another thing to watch in this game. Well, Kalen DeBoer does not feel the same way as you do, Matt. Oh, yeah? He says it's probably our top position where we have some depth and the guys have already played some snaps this year. 
We feel well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I know that they have, but, you know, they're they're being pressed into more substantial roles. And how are they going to respond to that rather than just being in a position where they can kill clock late in games? Exactly. But reading, like, looking over what uh, Tedford said, said about Rivers, he had a full practice on Wednesday. Uh, he looked really good. Full pads. Um, they ex- also did, like, the uh, ball security drill where he's trying to yank it out, being physical with him. And he says it's coming along pretty well. I, okay. It seems like he's gonna play. He says he feels fine. He has his strength back and everything. And it was a it was an elbow injury. So all signs point to him playing. Okay. So that's a positive, and they'll need him. Like just add him to the depth that they have, where those backups will get a few more. We'll get some more carries and see what happens. Because they need if they're gonna get an upset, they need Rivers to do well, and then if other guys who come in after him forever for play, excuse me, a play here or there. That'll be good. And then also, as we all know, it's going to help the passing game if you can actually do a play action and teams actually respect it. Mm-hmm. Because if you can actually run the ball, Aztecs can't scheme to say, okay, they're going to they're gonna pass on third and seven, or not third, but whatever. They're not going to bite the play action. So if they're bringing a blitz, whoever's rushing the quarterback is not going to be phased by that. But if Rivers is there and he's actually successful, which he probably should be to some degree, or enough to make Aztecs have to be concerned about a play action, that's a big deal. I this obviously this is gonna be a game where we know what Fresno State is, because yeah, you beat up on Nevada, you beat up on San Jose State, and Bulldogs have exceeded all of our all of our expectations, partly because of how good they played versus New Mexico last week. I just don't think they have enough to win this game. So, what do you think is gonna happen? I'm hoping. Well, no, I'll say this: it's got to be more entertaining than last year's seventeen to three debacle. Oh my like, god, yes. Was, <laughs> I don't care what team you're rooting for, it was awful to watch. You had, what, 20 minute drives, it seemed like, for San Diego State and the, the, Don, or Pumphrey back there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I think there'll be a bit more scoring because Fresno could actually move the ball in the air. But I feel like what the Aztecs have done this year, they haven't really scored a ton. They've been putting up like 28 versus Air Force, uh, 30 versus ASU, 20 versus Stanford. Outside the UNLV game, I think it's going to be like, I'll say thirty to thirteen for San Diego State. Closer than that. Oh, you do. But I think, I think San Diego State's going to have just enough to pull it out. So I'm going to say Aztecs twenty four twenty three. Interesting. Twenty four twenty three. Yeah. How's it going to come down? Then is it a uh, Aztec game winning drive? No, I think, I mean, honestly, what I think is going to happen is that, you know, San Diego State's been, they've been okay as far as kind of shutting down opportunities as far as when red zone opportunities. I think they're fairly evenly matched in that regard as far as allowing points per trip inside the 40 and scoring points per trip inside the 40. But I expect San Diego State's playmakers to make plays on defense, essentially. And so I don't think there's going to be ever that much separation. Like, I'm not expecting either of the teams to get up by, like, by even 10 points, let's say. So it might just be one of those things where at some point in the second quarter where somebody has an opportunity to get seven and they get three instead. And that's what makes the difference in the game. All right, then. We'll see. Aztecs are going to be victorious. I'm pretty sure that's the case. Um Anything else we need to add this week? I think we were pretty much all set. Oh, wait. 
sorry, one thing I did mention here, or need we need to mention, John Ursua, the Hawaii wide receiver, torn ACL. That's a bad break. Out for the year, clearly. Probably maybe a little bit into next year, and this probably means Hawaii's uh, bull chances are pretty much done, right? I mean, they they're gonna need someone to step up because you know he was a guy who was doing all of his damage exclusively from the slot. So whoever that guy is, you know, good luck, <laughs> more or less, right? Can't, can't they just give more carries to St. Juice? I mean, they probably could. Because they're sitting at three and four. They got San Diego State. Probably not. Maybe UNLV. They and they got a lot of maybes. UNLV, Fresno, Utah State, BYU. I think those are all winnable. It's an uphill battle for them for sure. Yeah, without your best, him get or Sarah having what did he have two two hundred yard games already this year? Mm-hmm. He has six sixty seven and five touchdowns. Solid. I, maybe that guy will be Dylan Colley. We will see. But he's a sophomore, so he'll be back for sure. But that's our show for tonight. Um, six or what do we have? Five games. Are we still talked over an hour. That's how we do. You're welcome, right? Is that what we tell people? You are welcome. Yes. All right, so that's our show for this evening. Uh, again, we have some news coming up on our website shortly. It's a, a slight change, but hopefully it's a change that beneficial for you and me and everybody else. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, find us out there. Give us some, some feedback. Tell your friends, right, about the show. Subscribe. iTunes. Stitcher. Uh, tune in. If you uh, wherever you get your podcast, let us know. But uh, that's our show for tonight, and we end it as the same as we do every show. Yes, we are biased to get to your Mountain West football team.